We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the NFL Pick Six Super. Uh, oh, geez, Super. Oh man, can we do this again? Take two. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. I was reading the wrong thing. You know, it takes me three weeks and I still don't get it right. It's the NFL Pick Six Show. I'm Dean. Uh, Dean seventy nine oh four is the handle you'll see. Uh, hopefully, in some winning contests going down in Week Three here at Roto Grinders. Joining me today, as always, two of the best in all the business when it comes to fantasy football. You got Rich Rewar. You know him from Sharp Football Analysis, his worksheet. Uh, second to none, and of course, John Daigle. John Daigle over at 4 for 4 and Bet Spurts as well. John, uh, we're just going to pretend like I completed up butcher that opening. Uh, you know, let's just move right past it. It's over. Um, how's uh, how's things in your world? How's, uh, you know, how do we two treat you? Anything to gripe about, or we want to be a forward-thinking show and not worry about week two? Doing this three weeks and still getting it right, it sounds like my DFS game right now, as I did not have the two of premiums like a lot of successful people did. But week two was very interesting from a big picture perspective because I generally think that's the most honed in ownership will be on any slate for the rest of the year. Even in small field stuff on FanDuel, Derek Carr got up to 40%. Saquon Barkley on DraftKings was over 50% in most tournaments, large and small field. And the winners, you know, Easy game. Uh, winners, all we did was talk about the afternoon chalk and the afternoon slate. The winners just avoided it, basically. They just literally stacked the early on, and that was their strategy. So I thought there were a lot of good takeaways moving forward, even though I was not successful. 40% ownership for the Bengals and the Million Maker was an interesting conversation as well. They were 2-2 two, two over there. Yeah, I mean, and I understood both perspectives mm-hmm. on it, and the people had some takes. And, of course, you're playing the results. Obviously, it didn't go well, and 
did not have to spend that much more, basically the same price for the Jags who shut down the Colts, who were pretty punchless. Of course, they were injured and dinged a good bit as well. We do have a, a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good games this week. I love it. This because, slate is chaos. It's it's just good luck. Pick the right offense. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's interesting, and we'll kind of dig into it. But, like, opportunity cost is real at quarterback this week. You know, all the good quarterbacks were basically playing. Not all. You know, a good chunk of them were playing on Thursday or on Monday or Sunday night. And we kind of lost them on the main slate last week. And that's one of the reasons that elevated Derek Carr uh, this week. You know, we got Josh Allen for the first time in the main slate. Uh, in a matchup against Miami, that's one of the three featured uh, games. And of course, if this is your first time here, uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, joining uh, joining us. Thanks for not, you know, just throwing the, the podcast away after I butchered, butchered that intro. Like, what, what kind of amateur hour is this nonsense? What we do, we focus on three games, three main games on the slate, break it down from all different angles, and then we run it back, give our favorite plays, position by position, amongst players that are not in those three main games. Uh, Rich, how about the, how did week, uh, week two treat you? Uh, Tua and uh, Lamar and that Miami Baltimore game went absolutely bananas. It was fun for sure. I had some good pieces. I had him with Amon Ra. I had, I mean, but you know, it did not, I did not close strong. I would not, I did not bring in Mariano Rivera. Unfortunately, I brought in uh, James Conner who got hurt. I brought in Jacobs who was terrible and Wilson who got siphoned at the goal line by use I feel like for the 70th time, but uh, you know, it was a good week for your boy, at least on FanDuel. How about yourself? Uh, it was the same as week one. I've now played DFS for two weeks this season, and my net profit is six dollars. Uh, <laughs> I haven't lost anything. But I haven't won anything either. It's just like kicked. I kicked the can both weeks. Uh, not a, not a ton of like great fun, and I had none of that. I was on the other side of that Ravens game. I even bet the under, so I got double dragged on that. Oh wow! Uh, no, they ran the opening kickoff back too. Like the second that happens, you bet under. You're like, oh, this is oh, this is like immediately dead. Uh, and then that game uh, just absolutely went nuts. So you talk was- about. You also talk about being on the other side. Uh, let me try to one up you in saying my pivot. <laughs> From the Bengals defense was not 2,300 Jags, who we talked about last week and we liked, and they got steamed on FanDuel because they were the stone man. They were 3K. Three. Everyone played them, and it made so much sense given the 90 plays and 70 minutes of football the Colts were coming off. I instead went with the other $2,300 defense, which was the Dolphins. So to see a kickoff Ooh. returned and their score immediately drop, it's like, okay, it's going to be that kind of day right now. <laughs> why i don't understand I, I think it's numbers here at dk why is that the defense fault like well, why should those points be lost the defense didn't yield those points i mean whatever i guess it's a technical Listen, why is defense in dfs period why is team defense in fantasy fair. football period team defense is the worst thing ever uh it should be banned from all leagues it makes no damn sense it's the dumbest position we have by far is we can want no, what kicker kickers actually like make some sense though. Like there's a the defense doesn't make sense. All you're doing is playing the other team's offense. Like no one's playing good defenses. They're picking teams based. They're picking teams based on the opponent. Like that makes it inherently is flawed logic. Especially it's stupid a, that it exists. Especially on a slate like week one where ownership was flat because we talked about it. Like there were so many good plays that no one really got over thirty percent really, and yet every tournament winner. All they did was roster 0.3% Steelers. Like, that's it. It's like, oh, hey, the defense is what changed the slate. I don't want that in my DFS. Get that out of there. This shit's hard enough. Yeah, I mean, there's variance in everything, but the extreme variance of defenses, especially the ones that kind of pop out of nowhere, when no analysis, no foresight can tell you, like, this is the defense that's going to score two touchdowns for no particular reason. Hey, I'm being told in the chat, uh, those that are watching YouTube, what's up, chat? Kindly hit that subscribe button. Kindly like. Uh, You know, hit all the buttons, hit all the things. We appreciate that. We like when you – uh. 
you watch with us live, of course, a lot of people, most people watch on the playback. They watch, uh, you know, they, they listen to it, uh, you know, on their podcast, whatever their podcast of choice is. But Travis Mangone, friend of the show, is telling me, can you confirm this, Daigle? Is it your birthday? So I don't know how many of the old bits you know, like Ace Literary Jabronis, <laughs> and how I'm That's obsessed true. with Mike Williams anytime he's basically cheap on a slate, Dean. But one of the other bits that carries over from Eric Crane's existence, RIP, is that I don't celebrate my birthday. And so what happened is that rather than not allowing me to not celebrate my birthday, everyone celebrates it every week in the chat. So yep. uh, my birthday is actually December 5th. Don't write that down. But <laughs> since, it's, since it annoys me, what has happened is that everyone now celebrates my birthday every single week. So I still appreciate everybody. Also, shout out my daughter. It is her 10th birthday today. She'll never listen Whoa. to this, but shout her out. <laughs> she doesn't listen to your, your 15th fantasy football podcast. No, I have a 17-year-old son who could care less, like a fantasy football. Like He plays baseball. He loves it, and kids doesn't care anything I have to say about anything about fantasy football-related. That's, does he ever pick your brain for his teams? No, he doesn't care about anything I have to say about it. <laughs> That's Absolutely so nothing. That, that's he's being intentionally rebellious. Is that what's going on there? Yeah, I don't, he doesn't. He doesn't care. Does he not know that you? Uh, you know, you write for Sharp Football Analysis. Did he, did he not, does he not know about the worksheet? Like I don't understand. That's no. Nope, doesn't care. All he's right. got his own takes to fire off. <laughs> Fair enough. And yeah, I fell for the the yoki doke there in the chat. I wasn't aware of uh, the old bit about your birthday. <laughs> it's funny because Travis is the one who brought it up. And Travis, this is a weird thing. And I don't. What he's he has a birthday week. You guys do that? The birthday week. You know about this, Rich? Yeah, uh, you, sometimes either the birthday week or the birthday month, uh, you know, exists. Is that I mean, is that weird? No, <laughs> That's too self important. <laughs> really, I'm, I'm big week. on birthdays, man. I think birthdays are the one like legitimate. That's your day, man. Like it's it's a big deal. Like it's your day. It's not your week. It's not your month. It's your day. And just because I don't that day, just because I don't celebrate mine, I clearly celebrate my friends because just this, just a few months ago, Dean, I don't know if you saw the photo, but I literally drove to Cleveland on an early Saturday morning. I got up at four thirty in the morning, made the drive to to surprise Rich at his fortieth birthday party. Mm -hmm. So I gladly celebrate my friends all the time. Yeah, oh, nice. it's a great great birthday gift. Look, I missed that email, by the way. I wasn't aware. <laughs> I didn't know that was going it's, down. It ended with Chris Pratt, Jurassic Park at 2 in the morning. So you didn't miss much. It's okay. <laughs> I just watched the very first Jurassic Park for the very first time about like three months ago or so. The um, original? Yeah. Look, I'm, uh, like, I'm proud of you, Dean. <laughs> Review? It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, there was there was dinosaurs. There was a park. Wayne Knight was eaten. Spoiler alert: is statute limitations. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. It was. I don't need to see more. I think I. I think I had my fill. And my understanding is that they get progressively worse. Is that oh, correct? you don't need to see any other ones. Yeah, I love movies, but I don't really care for like just things randomly blowing up or dinosaurs or CGI. It's not. It's not my thing. But good for them. And, and if you enjoy it, have at it. Uh, All right. And also, preface this podcast with spoiler alerts from 1993. What is the statute of limitations? I don't know. But, Not uh, that. But, yeah. One person out there is so angry. Like, wait, Newman gets eaten? Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, how many people knew his name was Wayne Knight? Like, you're in the minority for sure. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right. Sponsored by Thrive. We'll be telling you guys about Thrive later on in the show, how you can get a pretty sweet deposit bonus. Also, some free tickets as well. 12-game main slate, and it's it's good, man. It's good stuff. John, as always, you picked the, the three games we're going to feature. As always, I was two for three. I did not anticipate the third one we're going to be talking about, but 
I'm looking forward to it. The very first game here, John, uh, Buffalo versus Miami, 52 and a half as far as the total in Miami. Buffalo is six-point favorite. Um, you know, Buffalo looks like the best team in football, and Miami coming off their biggest victory, I don't know, in 20 years, 30 years, or whatever. They won some playoff games and nobody cared and like, against the Colts so many years ago. But, like, that was, like, and really, really exciting. I'm down here in Miami or the Miami area. I'm close enough. My friends are super excited about the Dolphins. So the people are up. The people are excited. Tua looked legit. The offense looks legit. If anything, it's fun, if nothing else. But, uh, John, where do you want to start here? Buffalo, Miami, 23-and-a-half as far as the total. No, no, 52-and-a-half as far as the total. Buffalo, six-point favor. Previewing the big picture takeaway of the show, just know we couldn't talk about the Cardinals for the third week in a row. That's insane. So <laughs> I had to squeeze a different offense in there. I appreciate we'll, it. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to that in the positional plays. But we have not talked about the Bills and Dolphins yet. The Bills we haven't had a chance to because they've been in prime time. And the Dolphins had an ugly matchup against the Patriots in week one. And then last week, the show was on the under. It, it RIP'd us, but we were on the under. So now we get to talk about them. And what we've seen is that the Dolphins are at least doing things differently this year. Uh, they averaged the league's highest pass play rate on early downs when within one score of the Ravens this past game. And then last season, remember, Tua actually completed just 50% of his passes, 10 to 19 yards from the line of scrimmage. That intermediate level of the field where Mike McDaniel's crossing routes and schemes shines. But this year, he's completed nearly 70% of those passes. The issue now, since we're talking about Tua at his peak, is that the Bills have actually allowed the fewest receiving yards in that range of the field on the intermediate level. And there are still question marks, really, how Tua fares under pressure since he's only been under duress at the league's fifth lowest rate through two games and has only averaged five and a half yard depth of target in those situations. Whereas Buffalo's defense, we look and they've only blitzed three times literally all year and they've still registered the league's highest sack rate. So I think there's just a, a question mark, really, about what they will do, and I don't have an answer for you. I think it's just an interesting watch this week. Well, maybe uh, maybe Rich has an answer for us. What do you think as far as the Miami offense? And I did see, you know, obviously two weeks, small samples. That's a sample we got, but the target tree, it's it's all Hill and Waddle. I think, what is that, 70% of the yards? Mm-hmm. I saw a number out there on Twitter. I'm sure you have it, John, or something to that extent. I'm sorry, Rich. But, uh, yeah, this Miami offense – it, it's Hill and it's Waddle. There's everybody else. Of course, you had that sweet catch from Gasecki in the end zone and that awesome celebration as well. It certainly wasn't Chase Edmonds who was on my teams with, uh, you know, well positioned in the really. He good was cheap on Fanduel. He was very cheap on Fanduel. That's where I had him, and like yeah. he he got kicked out of the rotation basically until the end. Mostert basically unseated him. I don't know if that's going to be a week to week thing, depending on or. Uh, well, do you have anything on that, Rich, as far as the running back situation? It just Is it going to be a mess going forward? There's really no uh, clarity as far as Mostert versus Edmonds? Well, I mean, it, you know, I wrote about this in the worksheet last week that in week one, Chase Edmonds had the worst rushing yards below expectation. So I just wonder if Mike McDaniel and the staff went into that <laughs> week thinking he also left a lot of meat on the bone and they were going to switch it up. I mean, this is who Chase, Chase Edmonds has been, though. Like, the, the way he was used in that game last week, that's who he's been his whole career. Like, that kind of guy that's always been a third-down role. We want him to get more work and just never kind of happens. And here we are again, right? Like, you know, two weeks in and it's already kind of popped up. Uh, the Dolphins, though, in general, were a team – I was just immensely excited about all summer. I mean, I remember going on a show with with Dwayne and Ian Harditz and like trying to sell them on this offense because I was like, they're building a Madden offense. Like they're just sorting. They sorted by one attribute and speed. And like, we're just going to get all the fastest dudes on the field that we can. I mean, look at the past three years, the Miami Dolphins. They were 31st 
32nd and 29th in touchdowns scored outside of the red zone. Last year, they scored three touchdowns outside of the red zone. They've, they've got three already in two yeah. weeks. Uh, you know, th- they've just got fast guys. That, that game was like a college football game, right? Like it was like watching just big, big play after big play on both sides. And it was just like, because you have this much speed. It was like watching Tua at Alabama, you know, and there's Alabama versus LSU, just athletes going down the field. Lamar's ripping off 80-yard touchdowns. Bateman's rush running 22 miles an hour past Xavier Howard. Uh, it was just a ton of fun. But what you saw from Miami, though, was deliverance real early in the season on proof of concept, right? It just gives us a lot of faith going forward now that that all that all that talent and speed that they accrued, like they know how to use it too. So it was a really good litmus test for Mike Daniel, uh, Mike McDaniel, and they're going to be playing a team they absolutely are going to have to score points against again, especially because this game's a day game in Miami. Like you know the, those hot, we'll see what the weather's like, but you know that you get those hot those hot games sometimes where like defenses are just ragged ass early in the season, and like there could be big plays in this game too on both sides. You look at the Bills. Uh, you know, Dane Jackson had that, you know, very scary injury on Monday night. We don't know if he's going to play. And if Dane Jackson doesn't play, I mean, you're basically talking about, you know, elevating, you know, two rookie quarterbacks into playing a lot of snaps. Now, Christian Benford's already played a lot of snaps, but we've seen with the Bills with having to play their younger players now in the secondary, because that's like the one spot they didn't really like you know, they upgraded through through youth instead of free agency and not having Tredavious White. They've just been like camping out in zone like all game and relying on those two really good safeties, Micah, you know, Micah Hyde and Joy Employer, just kind of play like center field. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how it's approached. The one thing that I am watching though in this game is the Bills right now, following what I just said, the Bills are second in the NFL in pressure rate right now, and they blitz three times in two games. Like the, the, this, uh, this Miami offensive line is still a, quite a work in progress. So that's something I'll be watching just to see if like the bills can keep continuously getting home with four because they leave the NFL in pressures and sacks with just the four man pass rush through two weeks. Uh, so yeah, that's something I'm really looking at in this game. Is that like a team philosophy? Is that the way they're going to be going forward? Is that in part because they've been ahead both games heavily? I believe that certainly against Tennessee, they're well ahead. And I think their first game against the Rams there at least, Took them a while, but they separated themselves, right? Is that? Well, I think is- the first the first week was probably a little bit, you know, matchup sensitive. But they're playing young guys at cornerback too, right? Like they're not they're not putting those players in bad spots. The strength of this defense now is the upgraded pass rush, and when you have a you know two rookie cornerbacks that you're counting on playing snaps, like why put them in terrible spots? Look what the Titans did on Monday night when Christian Fulton was declared out. Look what Stephon Diggs did to those guys. Like they put those dudes in just like ridiculously terrible scheme fits, right? Like you can't ask guys to to guard Stephon Diggs that have never played in the league. Like, and that's what the you know the Bills at least didn't do that against the Rams, right? Like they didn't they didn't say, oh, we're gonna out here, we're gonna go out here and just like you know play man coverage and and see what Sean McVay can cook up. Like rational coaching prevails again. Yeah, McDonald looks like a good one. Uh, small sample, and I think coming in, a lot of people were optimistic about him as well. Hill or Waddle, you got to pick one, Rich. Who's your starting point? 
Oh, Hill. I mean, like, I mean, listen, there's no knock on Waddle. I mean, just Tyreek Hill has a, has a resume, right? Like, and and when he got traded and we wrote about this trade, like, look at all the guys he's elevated over his career. Like, yeah, getting to play with Patrick Mahomes was a gift. It was a perfect marriage. But, like, he's gotten to play with guys like Alex Smith and had a top five wide receiver season. When Matt Moore filled in for that month, he was still wide receiver one for fantasy. Like, Tyreek is just a one-of-one type of player. And then when you put both these guys on the field – uh, it, it just kind of, you know, opens everything up. They haven't even like involved Cedric Wilson yet either, like at all in this offense. Um, they've got speed on reserve still. Yeah. I mean, it's basically been Hill and Waddle. Uh, they've been phenomenal. Uh, you know, Tua, Hill, Waddle, that was a great way to start your teams last week, running back with Andrews and you're good to go. Throw in Taman Ra and uh, you're in the money for sure. John, if you got to take as far as Hill for Waddle, by all means, fire away, but jump over to the Bills. We presume, we don't know. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Uh, Davis, I believe, was a uh, questionable for practice or limited practice, or he was either out. I don't. He was not fully back, but uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll figure out what's going on with Davis later on in the week. Your thoughts here, John? Yeah, and for Cedric Wilson, since he got banged up last week, we have to see how he plays because we also know they kind of just slid Mike Jasicki into his spot. And I'm not playing Mike Jasicki. I'm just saying. And week one ran around on 40% of the dropbacks. And then last week when Cedric Wilson got banged up, 64% route participation. But overall, the Bills are just fun, right? Like they're an engine that can't be stopped. They've now scored 27 points at least in nine consecutive games dating back to last year. And you wouldn't know it from their first two wins, but Josh Allen has attempted 69 passes so far and only six have been thrown 20 yards deep. 63% of his passes have come within nine yards of the line of scrimmage as they've experienced the two-eye safety outlook. So they understand what's going on. It's the same thing that's kind of happening for the Bengals right now and struggling. But in these two games last year, and this is what makes it interesting against the Dolphins and D.C. Josh Boyer, Allen was blitzed on 49% of his dropbacks, and that made sense in 2021 since he completed just 58% of his passes for six yards per attempt against the Blitz. But this year against the Blitz, it's been a different story so far. Rams and Titans sit in the house on 28% of his dropbacks, and he responded with a 68% completion rate and nine and a half yards per attempt without taking a single sack. And so it is just a, a different engine this year. And so I, I'm excited to see what they can do because right now we don't think anyone can stop them. Rich, can anybody stop Buffalo? Like outside of this ownership and like there's other places to go. We have to like Allen. We have to like Diggs, right? These are just good pieces. They're good players. And, you know, uh, you're going to want some shares if you're making multiple lineups. No, I mean, go. This is like a, a you know, a running sample in the last year. Like the only thing that really slowed the Bills down was like playing in shitty weather, like at the end of the year. Like they played that one game in like the, the sleet against the Colts. Uh, they played uh, a game in the snow against the Falcons. They played obviously that wind game on Monday night against the the Patriots, but like go up and down everything. They the outside of, remember they had that one Jaguars game, right? Like where they no showed. That was like really it. Everything else was just playing in weather. Uh, I heard that they're building a, a new stadium in Buffalo and the designers are building it. So like wind can't come through the stadium. They're not doing a dome, but like they're designing it. So like actual wind can't like come through. It'd be something to keep tabs on, but uh, they just keep scoring buckets of points unless the weather's bad. Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. And you're, you're right. Like, if they play it in any other place, like, they can really use a dome. Uh, like, historically, I guess they've used the elements in their favor, but the way this team is built, uh, they don't want those elements to be let in at all. And you talked about Miami. Like, once upon a time, probably still, like, I remember many years ago, there was a long streak where they, they just were, like, undefeated at home uh, in, in uh, you know, September because of the humidity. The humidity mm-hmm. would just wear on 
you know, opponents, they, they don't expect it. Have you ever the seen that stadium where the sun lies? So, well, they changed it because uh, it's hard yeah. rock now. They, they've added they've added a certain amount of protection on, on to cover it, but I don't know how much is actually covering the field now, but the fans are covered to some extent. But I've been in that stadium before uh, in that sweltering heat, and it's unbearable uh, hmm. for Marlin games many years ago. So <laughs> at, one, at, one Eastern, at one Eastern kicks, the sun is only on the visitor sideline. Okay, even still, that's the thing. Yeah, that works out perfectly. Um, yeah, that, that's – it's it's absolutely a thing. That's some Jerry Jones diabolical Mr. Burns shit. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking this, I was trying to make a Simpsons reference as well as far as blocking <laughs> the sun, and I just didn't quite get there, and I moved on. All right. Uh, anything else this game, boys? As far as uh, it's going to be a fun one. You're going to want some pieces. It's a tough one to fade. Uh, we got anything else here, John or Rich, or shall we move on and talk it, about? Oh, go ahead. The the only concern is to watch out for Stephon Diggs. I imagine at 7,700, he's going to be the highest rostered receiver on DraftKings, and he warrants it. You just got to you just gotta be careful here. Well, who else are we going to play Josh Allen with? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, even if Davis That's the out, only thing with the Bills that I can see. It's like we're all chomping at the Bicks. We haven't had the Bills, but like – Yeah. They're like still as much as we want to play Josh Allen, like there's only really kind of one clear stacking partner, uh, you know, with where Gabe is. It looks like he's trending towards possibly playing. He got a limited practice in today. But like, who are you playing? Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, like any of these running backs? You're not enthused about that. Yeah. The other part of it is like, yeah, first time Josh Allen on the main slate, first time Buff on the main slate. And also people are chasing like, oh, man, I can't believe I missed out of Miami last week. I don't want to miss out on it again. This game's going to be so – I mean, look, you know, whatever. There, there's a whole bunch of games. There's some other games that, that are appealing that we'll talk about. You know, you can only roster so many players, but we're going to see plenty of ownership in this game. Like, it's not sneaking up on anybody like the way Baltimore and Miami did to some extent last week. Let's move on and talk about Detroit, the Lions, another super exciting football team. The Lions in Minnesota. Minnesota, six-point favorites, 52-and-a-half-point uh, totals here. Uh, well, I'll throw it to you, Rich, because I'm on Raw – I, I mean – the show is, I feel like, has been on Amon Ra a ton. He's been spectacular. Where is he at in season long? Is he like a like a top five receiver now going forward? Where is he like in the season long, guys? Is that is that absurd to say, or is that about right? Top six, top seven? I just seen uh, the industry has ranked him as a top ten guy in PPR this week for the first time this season. Uh, so he he's finally after it took nine nine games, but nine straight games of being Cooper Cup, but he's there now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's still not priced as Cooper Cup. Like, you're essentially getting Cooper Cup. Like, it's crazy to think about like that from that context. But, like, he he actually has been Cooper Cup the last eight times he's played football. And he's still, what, 7-2 on DK? And, mm -hmm. you know, he's still not priced like Cooper Cup. 7-2 on DK, 7-8 on FanDuel. Rich, I'll let you start this game. Cousins should be better because he's not playing a night game. <laughs> Is that real? I don't know. Maybe I mean, it's real. tough, man. It's tough to keep falling for it, but like it keeps happening. It's just it, it doesn't make it like you know any sense. But I want to talk about the Lions just for a a, 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 no. like a, a top down uh, stance here about the NFL and where it's at right now, uh, because the Lions feel like one of these teams that like we're going to orbit a lot, especially early in the season, because you know scoring is actually down across the league and. One of the big components of why scoring is down is because of obviously everyone in your grandma has heard about like teams playing too high safety. Uh, man coverage is way down in the NFL compared to years past. Teams are playing a lot more zone. Teams are blitzing a lot less. Guess who's not? The Detroit Lions. They're number one in the in the NFL man coverage rate. 
Uh, they're fourth in blitz rate. Like they're out here trying to make things happen on and be aggressive on defense and they're getting shredded for it. And also they're able to score points now because all these good players they've accrued the past couple of years, like I'm on Ross Brown and Deandre Swift that can produce electric plays. Uh, you know, the Lions have scored 35 and 36 points. It's the first times they scored 30 or more points in the first two weeks of the season since 1970. And they're paired with like this aggressive, not good defense. So, like, it's kind of like a team we want to stack a lot weekly uh, just because they're not one of these teams that are going to sit back and you know, in, in just nuke people with cover two and make people throw six-yard passes all game because they don't want to give up big plays. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Lions feel like one of these teams we're early on, like, this is our stacking buddy. So you, the Lions either recognize like, well, we're not good enough personnel-wise, so we got to take some chances and hope we make some good things happen. Otherwise, we give them a touchdown, which we were going to do anyway if we just kind of sit back and chill. Is that sort of their approach? Yeah, mixed bag. I mean, they don't really have like a, you know, really good safeties. Their cornerbacks are young. Uh, you know, obviously Omen Yar was out last week, so like he's probably going to be out this week too. I can't remember if he was put on short-term IR or not. I think he was. I'm um, not 100% sure. But they're, they're, they're starting to add some pass rushers, but – it's just an aggressive mindset, right? Like the NFL is too good now. Like you're going to play man coverage with the way the game is one called and the amount of athletes we have, you know, on offense, it's, you're going to get cooked, man. You're just getting cooked. There's too much talent. Uh, and if they're going to do that against Justin Jefferson, yeah. then... <laughs> but I will say Monday night was like, it was so night and day how Justin Jefferson was used. It was almost like they were just forcing him the football where he was creatively being used in week one, like being scheme open. Like it felt like a problem on a night where they're like, we're just jamming stuff to him that wasn't there. But, you know, we'll see uh, what kind of coverage he gets this week, uh, you know, inside against the Lions. It's almost like they got lost. Like six of his 12 targets came against Darius Slay. So it's almost as if they weren't prepared for Slay to follow him around. And yet when the play was called, they had nowhere else to go. Kirk Cousins also didn't make it to his second read often, but yeah, it was weird. Dalvin Cook only six carries. I know they were down for a good chunk of that game, but still it seems kind of egregious. Uh, John, where do you want to start? You want to start Lions or you want to start Vikings? We can keep on going with the Lions because I kind of want to make DeAndre Swift a priority of the slate. Uh, top three right now in yards before and after contact per attempt. He's averaging 10 and a half yards per touch through two games. And remember, he had that ankle injury supposedly last week. Seemed just fine. 84% of his yards last week came before contact. Jamal Williams does still get the money touches here. He has seven carries to Swift's one inside the 10-yard line. But they are legitimately scheming and running the offense through Swift. And the Vikings have only faced 38 running back carries so far, but have allowed 5.2 yards per carry to opposing backfield. So, yeah, I actually want to, I want to answer here with Swift, even though Amon Ross St. Brown is also still a priority. I'm trying to pull it up on the fly. What was Swift? Uh, what was the snap count? Because I'm I'm seeing he didn't touch the ball. Fifty percent. He played fifty percent okay. of the snaps. Yeah. Yeah, and he only had that. seven touches. But man, this guy, he's the guy. Like, if he just had a forklift, like he would, he might be like the RB one the rest of the season. Like, if he just had the full workload with with the context I laid out with the Detroit defense, like if we just had a full workload for him, man, he would go to the absolute moon. And this line offensive line is not even healthy yet. This is fully healthy, one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. And mm -hmm. they've started the year banged up. You know, Vitae's been on IR. Ragnow's been in and out of the lineup. So, like, if, if they get healthy, uh, man, he could just get a little more workload and get healthier as the season goes on. Like, man, he's he could be electric. 
Rich, how do you feel about like rostering these quarterbacks as a starting point? Because again, this is a quarterback opportunity cost week with Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, uh, Lamar is back. You got that Stafford game um, with um, Kyler. You know that th- that game could go back and forth theoretically. Mahomes. Uh, we talked about Tua. Or maybe we're just playing Jefferson and we're pairing and running it back with Amon Ra, that, that kind of thing. I got certainly another way to go. Which route do you prefer? Do you like the idea of playing Cousins or Goff? Like, certainly they could get there. Uh, neither really have legs, but they got to get there through like 350 and three, which is possible. Uh, which is your preferred route? I mean, on, on the surface, objectively, I think Cousins is the better play. But, you know, looking at industry rankings, like Cousins is already being ranked as like, the QB six or seven this week. So like the industry is like going to propel him, right? Like you're going to hear about this all week. You know, Kirk Cousins is going to be in a bounce back spot. They're home favorites against this Lions defense, all the things that I laid out. Uh, but if Kirk Cousins is a guy that's going to be like really popular, like Kirk Garrett Carr was last week, like how excited are you to like roster like, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins at like high ownership? Like, not at all. Definitely, definitely not something on my agenda. Um, and then golf is just as exciting as it's been the start for the Lions. Like golf still, you know, last week, you know, he completed just 58% of his passes, seven and a half yards for passing. He kind of got there just on touchdowns. Like, are we going to count on him to throw four touchdowns a week to get there? Like the peripheral stats still weren't very good for golf. Um, so it's really tough. Uh, you know, obviously Ed Donatel, you're going to get like a ton of that Fangio zone defense quarters, cover six stuff from him. Uh, you know, obviously that Jalen Hurts absolutely decimated that on my night, but you know, since Goff has joined the Lions, he's thrown for just 6.6 yards for pass attempt to get zone coverage. It's 28th in the NFL. Um, it, it just feels like really set up to kind of be like a game that could end up, this game could end up being kind of slow too. Like, you know, the Vikings, if they're able to run the football uh, with Dalvin cook, it could slow down. And then if Goff has to just throw like eight yard pop passes the entire game, like it, that, that's how you don't get there in this game. Um, we need the just Jefferson 70 yard tuds to get there. I'm pulling up uh, Derek Cardi, the blitz, the blitz game factor levels, um, game level factors. I don't know why I reverse that for some reason. Uh, most games for a uh, gameplay projection is Indianapolis KC at 128 plays. Then Carolina, New Orleans, Washington, Philly. We got this game projected for 123.5. Cardi does. So a little bit higher than average for what it's worth. The lowest one on the board, by the way, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, New England, 116 for what it's worth as well. What's kind of tied with Denver, Denver and San Fran. Uh, John, jump in at your thoughts as far as a starting point. And again, you know, you get you have uh, more flexibility when you roster a guy like Goff. You're not thrilled about it, but he's only five eight, so it opens up other stuff. You can spend up in other spots. Uh, you can roster yourself some cousins. Currently, ownership on a Wednesday night. Do with it what you will. Grain of salt, yada yada. But it's only it's a nine percent. He's the third highest guy ownership projected in DK right now, behind Allen and Hertz. Uh, how do you want to handle this as far as stacking this game, John? We're looking at the key pieces uh, as far as the uh, the skill positions, or we're talking about starting at one of the, the quarterbacks. That's what makes this slate so interesting is that even I'm still trying to figure out where the hell do we save money at because we're trying to get to everyone. I have a few ideas, but it's tough. And we do know Detroit has faced the third most passes from 11 personnel, which we know the Vikings lean on, and they're allowing eight yards per attempt from it this year. So we do believe in a Kirk Cousins bounce back. What I'm really trying to figure out, though, is like last week, except last week on DraftKings, I think – Devontae Adams was, what, 1,100 less than Cooper Cup? And thus, 
Adams became 40 plus percent rostered and Cup became nine, 10 percent in both large and small field. We got that little separation again this week where everyone can just stop thinking about Cup, who's 400, 500 more uh, than Justin Jefferson. So I think the field will probably still stop at Jefferson here. And if he's going to come in 20 to 30 percent more rostered than Cup, then we have to have a discussion about it. But it's clearly an amazing matchup for Jefferson now that there is no. Darius Slay on the other side. Like he's already run 47% of his routes from the slot this year compared to 31% last year. And the best the Lions can do logically would be to throw Jeffrey Okuda at him. But one, Okuda is not Darius Slay. And two, Okuda hasn't played a single snap from the slot. So we're not worried about it. That's Mike Hughes' territory, who's allowed a catch on nine of 10 targets he's seen in, in coverage this year. So like Jefferson, it goes without saying, is an amazing play. But I'm more worried about or not worried, but I'm more interested in seeing what happens with his ownership compared to Cups in this slate. By the way, to answer your, your uh, question, at least on a Wednesday night, the gross answer is where you're going to save some salary. And a lot of things, a lot of dominoes get the fall. But Rich, it might be picking one of these terrible Tampa Bay receivers. <laughs> is, that, is that possibly what we're set up to do, to, deciding between Scotty Miller and the proud of UCF, uh, you know, Brent Perryman? Is that what we're looking at? Because they're cheap, and theoretically they're going to be playing some football. and running are going to – you're going to force me to play Lindy out of leverage, aren't you? Well, I mean, look, we live in the world of a salary cap, and this is this is the right. names of the mat right now, and then they yeah, kind of yeah. make stuff work. But it's tough. I, yeah, I, I I'm trying to see. Otherwise, I'm running some optimals right now on the fly, just trying to see if anybody kind of pops in that I missed. If there's an underprice, and you know, you never really know. Somebody might be missing the game out of nowhere. Things just sort of happen. But do we got anything, Rich? As far as your favorite cheapy, have you looked at the slate uh, from that perspective yet? Not so much from like a bottom rung, like trying to find this week's Noah Brown or like we saw yeah. Perriman, like, you know, some guys take some flyers on yeah. Perriman and you get the touchdown last week uh, because with one of those, we're going to have to see if Julio is going to play or not. Right. Like, cause if Julio comes back, then it just adds another, you know, guy to the, to the fire of vagabonds, the Island of misfit toys here that is behind him. Um, but yeah, the receivers in that game in general are all pretty cheap and gross. Uh, but that game has a, a, an implied total of 41 points. Uh, you know, I tweeted earlier, it's the lowest implied total the Packers have had since week one of 2014 with Aaron Rodgers, their starting quarterback. That's when like the Legion of Boom was like at its heyday. Uh, and this is the lowest implied total the Buccaneers have ever had with Tom Brady as their starting quarterback. Imagine telling the, yourself that, you know, coming into the season, like we're going to have a game with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and it's going to be one of like the worst implied games on the slate. Is this like the two oldest quarterbacks ever to start a football game, like combined? Is it got to be close, right? 45. What's wrong? Well, anyone with Brady at this point just is getting carried along, right? Like, like, I guess so. Yeah. He's the oldest player in all. I saw he's officially the oldest player in all four major sports now. Even ho hockey. Oh, is that because uh, Zed Nochara retired? I don't know how old he was. Yeah, like, I think so. Uh, but I just saw that, you know, just that note, I think a couple days ago, that he's officially the oldest uh, of the main four. Uh, chat, let me know. I got my eye on chat. And they're throwing out some names for the record. It's, who's your favorite cheapie on the week? Uh, I see somebody saying Cole Beasley season. That didn't Wasn't he signed to the practice squad for Tampa? Is he? Would he just jump all those guys? Would he jump Scotty Miller and Perryman and uh, – Russell Gage, yeah, all those guys. It's hard to believe, but maybe Godwin, they're going to do play it really slow with him. I don't know. Like maybe it's a, a they're playing a longer game. I mean it's it's bad. The situation's bad. I mean the Bucks uh, the last two years have been one of the most fortunate teams in terms of injuries and 
it's all catching up. That regression's catching up to them all. The damn, <laughs> the damn broke. Yeah, there, there's no more levies existing. That's why I also think in this in this game between Lions and Vikings, like we know Irv Smith is going to get some recency buy and see play at 3100 on draft. Oh like, yeah, he's he's going to get jammed into everyone. Imagine if you had caught that second one. John, you were asking about my optimals. I just ran a bunch of optimals, right? And Irv Smith yeah, landed popped. in 52% of optimals. Sure, yeah, he pops. Yeah. Are you excited 3, 100, about Irv Smith? 3,100. And like last week, you you could convince yourself Jawan Johnson at Stone Men. Uh, Colin Granson was 2,600. You had reasons to get off or like you had options. But like beyond 2,900 for Jawan Johnson, like of course everyone's just going to find the $200 for Irv Smith, even in tournaments. So that's like kind of where it's going to – ownership's going to gravitate this week. Here's the thing with Irv Smith is how much last week was actual, you know, him coming back and being as a game plan or like, you know, was it game script sensitive? Like if they're out here running the ball with Dalvin Cook is, because remember this is a base 11 personnel team now. If they're out here running the ball successfully at Dalvin Cook and controlling the game, like are those Johnny Munt snaps? So I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things that we've only played two games. We're trying to find some signal and noise through some of this stuff. But uh, obviously last week's game plan needed Irv Smith to be on the field a lot. And that's why, again, I don't know how you, you fit him, but if you want the leverage, like Dalvin Cook is a great play. Like 20 carries week one. We You even said it, Dean. Game script knocked him out of last week, but he's still run a route on 71% mm-hmm. of the team's passing dropbacks, and he's averaged five and a half yards per carry from 11 personnel, their base personnel like rich just said so like dalvin cook is still an awesome buy low and just like a player to just take faith in in this game uh um, jack cough i made sure to put a a space between that that in the chat jack cough is saying earth is better than uh uh, (laughs) it's all there's no space in the name but i i i I applied one myself uh is saying the earth is better than bigger smith he is but like salary cap reasons you know he's like 1400 more uh, you know, and that's a lot of money that is useful. So yeah, sure. Ertz is better in theory, but he's also more expensive. Um, yeah, man, it's going to be a weird week as far as looking for salary right now, salary savers. Indy, I, well, we'll see, but it looks like Pittman's probably going to come back and we'll see what Pierce he's 3.5 K, but if Pittman doesn't and Pierce does, I, I don't know, man, I'm trying to create some sort of like a salary cap loopholes, but there's really nothing showing. And I saw, you're not going to want to hear this name either, folks, but uh, Jacoby Myers at 5K is somebody that looks kind of, sort he, of interesting. Um, and he popped he popped up with a knee injury today. Yeah. And the way the way they phrased it that uh, they'll evaluate it at the end of the week is never good. Like, it never sounds good. So it may be Nelson Aguilar popping in those old oh, no. optimals. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that secondary for the Ravens is horrific, but you guys – like Rich, you feel good about any Aguilar or Parker or Bourne or Lil Jordan Humphrey? You feel good about any of this stuff? They're all no, I mean, how do you feel about the uh, the Patriots offense that's played out exactly as we thought once they told us that it was going to be helmed by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? Uh, it's it's hard to feel really good about any of those guys. Man, it's going to be we're going to be holding our nose with something. I I, st- I still think it's going to be Tampa on Sunday. We'll see as far as the injury yeah. stuff. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, oh, it's a 4 o'clock game, too. Hopefully we get some clarity as far as Julio uh, before the 1 o'clock games kick off. Anything else, boys, here as far as Detroit-Minnesota, or shall we move on and talk about Cincy and the Jets? What? Yeah, that's the game that's featured. Cincy and the Jets. We're doing it. Uh, Cincinnati is a five-point favorite at the Jets. 
the Jets with an incredible win last week. Uh, Cleveland fans, man, just a uh, oh, you know I should go to you first, Rich. Are you, you are you're in Cleveland. Are you a Cleveland fan? I presume you are. No, no, oh. man. Okay, <laughs> but is the city especially down the, uh, the ever since that? That was a rough loss. That was uh, just an insane. Um, I don't know. This they, they've endured a lot. I don't know. Uh, used to it, I guess. It's just... Yeah, and I mean, plus half of the fan, like half of the fan base here, is kind of out on them because of the Watson stuff, anyway. So it's kind of like like people are like, you reap what you sow. Now it's it's like a really weird kind of split situation here. So like uh, that was an all time banger though because you know if Nick Chubb just goes down, uh, the game is over. They kneel the game out and then like just. Yeah. Hell goes. I mean, you can't. They got an onside kick. Like, how many onside kicks have been converted like the last two years? Like, since they changed the rule. Like, I feel like those are almost borderline impossible. They got one of those. Uh, Browns have had a lapse. You know, giving up a big play. Like that game. The end of that game was absolutely nuts. They they got one, and it was done in the old fashioned way of just yeah. putting the balls putting the ball sideways. What do they call it? Watermelon kick. Yeah, the watermelon kick. Yeah, yeah. they put the ball sideways and then just kicked it like that. Brett Maher. Yeah. 45 total there. Jets at home versus the Bengals. Bengals five-point favorite. Who wants to sell me on, on Garrett Wilson being real? Is he real? Is Garrett Wilson real? The 10th pick of the NFL draft? I mean, like, is he already there, though? Like, I'm saying, is he already, like, the guy we want him to be? Like, you know, that, that was kind of his breakout game last week. Is that going to continue, continue going forward? His quarterback still was Joe Flacco last, last I checked. I mean, for what it's worth. Joe, Joe Flacco's thrown 50 and 59 pass attempts for whatever that's worth <laughs> in, the, in the first two games. Oh, game. Listen, when you throw a lot of bad pass attempts, it means you have to throw more pass attempts. That's right. <laughs> and and honestly, if you told me to pick one, like the Bengals have allowed just 59 receiving yards uh, and no touchdowns on 21 targets to players lined up from the boundary so far, which is where Elijah Mitchell has primarily lined up for 78% of his routes, whereas – even in week two, Garrett Wilson's budding role. Uh, and he hasn't overthrown Corey Davis necessarily, but he ran 48% of his routes from the slot. So oddly enough, not that we want to be buying Garrett Wilson high right now, but he's the better player, in my opinion, the better option between these two, especially because Elijah Moore and Joe Flacco, uh, everyone cited those 11 targets last year for the reason to like chase. And Elijah Moore is still the clear wide receiver run, still running more routes than both Wilson and Davis. But like there's some kind of non-rapport going on here between Flacco and Elijah Moore right now. What do you have here as far as the Jets, Rich? Uh, not <laughs> a lot. I, think I, just took I took everything. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, basically, yeah, running with Garrett Wilson, what we're going to do. I mean, maybe people want – what's Conklin? Uh, what is just, Conklin? That's a good question. What uh, is Conklin? He's a person. He is. Uh, what is his I mean, salary? The only bummer th- the thing. What is he? Three eight on DK. Oh, that's too much. Yeah, yeah, that's too much for him because Conklin's barely just like he's like a floor player. Like, he's only getting there because like he's run like a hundred pass routes, but you know, fourteen yards week one, forty yards last. So like, you're not getting a lot there. If he was like three K or two eight, like we 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 had something, but no, I can't do that. Three eight, no. And Hall's not happening right now. Carter's ahead of him. It appears. That's yep. It. And they and they Ty Johnson came back and all three guys played last week, so it was like a three way committee. Um, so it's even harder to figure out. I mean, I imagine like long haul, Brees Hall eventually gets there uh, in terms of opportunity, but right now it's it's a, a complete hodgepodge. Yeah, and we saw I can't remember what show I was on if I was on this one or the, the previous one or a different one, but like the Houston situation completely flip flopped after game one too, right? They finally said, well, wait a second, what are we doing with Rex Burkhead? 
uh, yeah, maybe we should be playing our rookie Pierce. And he got basically, I think he had every single carry last week. Um, curious to see how that goes forward with the Jets. But for this week, at least, uh, John, I think I'm crossing all three running backs out. Eventually, I think it's going to separate a little bit more, but does, none of it seems necessary for me. What say you? Not yet, no. Brees Hall had the receiving touchdown, but like Rich alluded to, it was only on the 10 routes, and those 10 routes not only matched Ty Johnson's 10 routes, but it was still Michael Carter who was in there for 26 routes, 52% of Joe Flacco's dropbacks. Really, the Jets are just dependent on volume right now, and as Rich also said, Conklin's a floor play. So really, we're only trying to carry around one receiver if we're game stacking here. Uh, what's happening for the Bengals, though, is kind of what we expected, honestly, after Joe Burrow completed 60% of his passes in the red zone last year and led the league in yards per attempt and completion rate. There's some, there's just natural regression going on because they're still passing where it counts most. Joe Mixon only has five carries inside the red zone for a total of one yard, whereas Joe Burrow has 16 dropbacks in that area. He's just 7 to 15 right now. And so, the good news is the Jets are still allowing a 78% completion rate right now inside the red zone. So it may be the week where we get back. And given the options that we have at quarterback, it's probably a week where you can sneak in Bengals pr- premium double stacks with, with mm-hmm. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And that's what makes it so interesting. Rich, Bengals? Yeah, the Bengals are really interesting to me because obviously, you know, Joe Burrow talked about this in the offseason that they anticipated teams to do a lot of things we talked about earlier in the show to come play a lot of high safeties against them, not give up the big plays that they were, you know, hitting teams with last season. And they've already run a leak high 42.2% of their passing plays against cover two. At this time a year ago, it was 13.6%. Uh, we're just seeing it, that, that adjustment. We've seen Burrow now. He's thrown for just six yards for pass attempt because of that. Uh, Jamar Chase's dot is just plummeted. He's, Jamar, Jamar Chase's dot is under seven yards. Uh, you know, they're just not able to hit those money throws. But eventually, like, it's not like the cover two has, like, been, not been around. Like, this is this has existed for, you know, centuries of football. Like, you know, it's they're going to figure this out. They're going to, and like, maybe this is a spot to do it. Maybe the jets don't even run a lot of cover two. Remember these two teams played a year ago. The jets only ran cover two for 9.8% of Burroughs dropbacks in that game. When he threw three touchdown passes uh, so far this season, the jets have played cover two on just 1.7% of pass plays. That's 29th in the NFL. Uh, so we'll see if Robert Slaw does what, the Cowboys and Steelers did where they adjusted their game plan to be Bengal centric. We'll see if he calibrates and does something similar, but what if he doesn't, then the upside is here again, like the, you know, for to, to hit that this week, um, you know, especially if he's, if people aren't going to be on them, right? Like these are guys that have high ceilings, you know, you Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, like you, you've got potential here to do some things that we saw happen last week with Dolphin stacks. Now we don't want to chase that type of stuff, but I will absolutely pepper in some Bengals stuff. The other element though with the Bengals is this offensive line has not lived up to what we were told in the offseason. And to be honest, that kind of makes sense. When you look at it, we got excited because they were getting new players based on the bad, bad players they had, but they still like, People were like pumping up Ted Karras, like he was Jack Hannon shit. Like, like it's not <laughs> like they were getting Larry Allen, like you know, to like come here, come here. Like they got regular dudes to come play the offensive line, just not vagabonds. And it just really hasn't lived up to it so far. And we've seen that impact Joe Mixon too. I mean, Joe Mixon's thirty first in yards before contact per carry. Um, it, it's just not holding enough water here. This offensive line hasn't played good enough yet. Um, 
So yeah, that's kind of where we are. Weird Bengals start, but like there's too much talent here to not overcome the defenses they're facing and Zach Taylor himself. Bengals get their first one of the season, Rich? Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right. Last week you were you we we thought we talked about the the Jags getting the oh. win. And we we we, I mean, we were not bold enough to predict it, but that wasn't even a close one. Uh, was that you? I think it was you, Rich, right? It's talking about the Jags. It was rich. Yeah, we talked about Jags and uh, who was the and the Bengals. We and they lost. We talked about teams that play full overtime games then have to go on road the road the following week. It's like always been like a old like Vegas hat type thing. Like we hear like the old Vegas hats always look for those spots, and both those teams ended up losing. Uh, to teams that they top down are superior than the Colts had some weird injury stuff packed on with it too. But like, yeah, the Bengals, you can't go lose that game to the Cowboys. You can't go back to Cincinnati. Uh, well, yeah, the, 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 the thing is their matchups have been against Cooper rush. And who was the first game of the year? It was against a nobody as Mitch well. Trubisky. Right? Yeah. Trubisky. Jesus. This is <laughs> this, this first six games are the easiest part of their schedule too, Dean. Right. That's the issue is that uh, it only gets harder, which is very concerning, very concerning. John, you picked this game. Give me uh, the favorite. If you're going to make a stack using this game, where would you start? What would be your starting point? Well, it would be Burrow doubles uh, because we've now seen it flip-flop too, but that's why we're trying to get both players because really uh, none of the others matter. Like Jamar Chase had a 30% target share in week one. Then was T. Higgins was injured in game though. And then we saw in week two, T. Higgins had the 27.7% target share. And Hayden Hurst with the Drew Sample injury happening in game, Hayden Hurst did actually – stay in for a route on 85% of Burrow's dropbacks last week and has now seen seven, at least seven targets in back-to-back games. But overall, we know we want the explosive plays and that would be Chase and Higgins together. And so that's kind of where I'm looking at. Um, as, as Reeve said, like Mixon's not getting there because the offensive line, the usage has been good and maybe they lean on him in this game, even though last week was the time to do that. But he's handled 46 of 48 running back carries mm-hmm. for this team and, and 90% of backfield touches with a 14% target share. Like the usage is actually top five running back usage. It's just not getting there right now. Yeah, this is a game I think I want to make multiple angles and throw into single entry stuff and see what hits. Because I mean, you could see Mixon hitting. You could see maybe the double hitting. Uh, definitely kind of want to play. Remember these two, these two teams played a really fun game last year. That was the Mike White game. Uh, you know, where everyone got kind of enamored with Mike White. Michael Carter had like a ridiculous game. We talked about Michael Carter on the same show in this spot last year when he was like 5,200 on FanDuel and he went nuts. Um, Yeah, the Jets are just a little bit more muddy. That's what kind of, you know, it makes things murkier because all three of those receivers are playing a lot. Like Corey Davis, like no one's excited about Corey Davis, but like he exists still. Like he's, he's like a good functional NFL player and like he still has worked his way into both games too. Like he's just not going to go away. So, like, it's just – the Jets situation is just muddy. They have a lot of moving parts, and you just have – it feels like whack-a-mole, like where we have to get it right. Whereas the Bengals, there's definitely a lot more clarity where we can play Burrow and doubles. We can play Mixon. Like, we we know where the ball's going there. Would your favorite run back be Garrett Wilson if you got to pick one of those Jets? Rich? Oh, man, I don't want to play the guy that just had the best game. Yeah, yeah that's that's the hard part always. But then you're playing Elijah Moore or you're playing Corey Davis. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, I mean, yeah. Elijah Moore is still a really good player, and he's going to get his too, like, just because he's been quiet. Like, I mean, Elijah Moore, his resume is is absolutely glowing coming out as a prospect. I mean, he led all power five receivers in yards per game exiting college, in his final year in college. He was – 
you know, really good as a rookie not playing with Zach Wilson. Uh, I feel like he still has a lot more talent in the box score is going to catch up because he's out here a ton. Like he's getting a ton of burn. He just hasn't popped yet. All right. Those are our three main games. We took as long as ever. We're supposed to knock out the show in an hour. Uh, apologies. We run a little bit long, but I think it's good stuff as well. Now we're going to run it back and give our favorite plays position by position, not in those three games. Before we do that, we do want to thank our sponsor, Thrive. If you're not aware, check out Thrive. Join in on the fantasy prop action this NFL season with Thrive Fantasy. It's an easy-to-play, no-salary-cap-style contest that revolves around over-under-style player props. Each prop has a fantasy score associated with the prop. Uh, the riskier the prop happens to be, the higher the fantasy score you get. It's true vice versa as well. Uh, the easier it is, the less points you get. Rack up the most points for your share of the prize pool. We have a pretty sweet uh, deposit bonus as well. Use the promo code GRINDERS when you sign up. Uh, deposit bonus up to $250 as well as free tickets. How do those free tickets work? Uh, well, again, 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Use the promo code GRINDERS. You get two free tickets, two $20 free ticket tickets to enter in the contest if you deposit between $100 and $499. Don't deposit $499. That makes no sense because if you deposit $500, you get six free $20 contest tickets in addition to the 100% deposit match bonus up to $250. Terms and conditions do apply. Check out Roto-Grinders review page for Thrive Fantasy in the description for more. All right. So amongst the quarterbacks that we have not talked about, we kind of named them in passing. But, uh, John, who is your favorite? Again, uh, we have Hurts. We got Mahomes. We got Lamar. Not the most exciting game environment there in New England. Herbert, maybe. We'll see. Amazing. What a warrior last week for sticking in the game and uh, covering the spread. Uh, Stafford, Murray. <laughs> who's uh, who's your favorite quarterback that we have that we have to talk about, John? My, my favorite part was that he passed on getting a first down with an easy, wide-open four-yard run and instead went for a throw that maybe one other quarterback in the entire NFL makes over double coverage the next very next play with that injured rib. So good for Justin Herbert. Um, uh, I don't know which one Rich wants me to save for him. Uh, I'll leave Jalen Hurts for you. I'll talk about Patrick Mahomes because like I talked about last week, Patrick Mahomes gets his good friend Gus Bradley again, who, as we discussed again last week, led the league by a wide margin and covered three with the Raiders. And then this year, 64% of NG's defensive snaps have come from cover three. He refused to change that game plan last year when he played Mahomes in both matchups. And that resulted in Mahomes co completing 74% of his passes for nearly nine yards per attempt, 664 yards, seven touchdowns, and no picks against the Raiders last year. And uh, what I like about Mahomes, too, is that when we ask where do we save money at, I don't know if anyone's going to play these bad receivers and cheap receivers for the Chiefs, honestly, um, after last week's performance on national television. So I kind of like playing Mahomes. It's kind of it's it's very familiar to six-round Mahomes and redraft leagues, where it's like, hey, we're getting a value right now, and we get to play these bad receivers with him, but they're cheap. So uh, that's how I save salary on the slate, is cheap little Mahomes double stacks. Do you have a favorite amongst the Juju, MBS, Hardman? I hate them all, but I, if you told me to ask which ones, <laughs> right, right, right now it'd still be Juju and MVS who uh, continue doing nothing, even though they're top two in routes run on the team. So that's kind of the stacks I've been playing with to save money at receiver. Rich, quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm excited to see the Mahomes playoffs. It's a lot like we talked about Robert Slaw, the Jets. Like, are they going to keep doing things that like other teams have had some success with? And obviously it's been one game up, one game down for the Chiefs, but 
they faced the most amount of man coverage so far through two weeks of the season, which used to be death. Like you would never play man coverage against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's over 50% of their snaps right now. Last year it was just 25% they faced man coverage because I don't think anyone's scared of these wide receivers right now. Um, now, granted, the Chargers have the personnel to kind of combat this, but I don't think Gus Bradley is going to really change his tune because Daigle just laid out the scenario. He didn't do it last year. Like the, the Chiefs struggled for like five straight weeks. And Gus Bradley's like, I'm not going to do none of that. Pat- <laughs> no, no. Pat- <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has two fantasy games over 30 points since week five last year, given the issues he was facing on offense. One was week one against the Cardinals. The other was the first game against Gus Bradley. And only because the second game against Gus Bradley last year, they, they won 48 to seven. There was no need to keep the foot on the gas whatsoever. Yeah, I'm curious to see see what he does in terms of defending things. That game's indoors. Like that game could be fun too. Like we people are down. People are down on the Colts too. Like yeah. I, I, I think we have Jonathan Taylor also now playing more third downs than Naheem Hines too. Like they could be. This could be a little bit of fun here. I mean, there's high ceilings in that game. Obviously, you have Mahomes. Uh, you know, the ghost of Ceh is kind of back in everyone's you know hearts a little bit. Yeah, there's there's obviously Kelsey's and Taylor on in that game too. Two of the players that probably have the most probability to lead their positions and points scored. Right? Like you've got Mahomes, Taylor, yeah. and Kelsey. If you were to shuffle up in term, terms of probability to pace the position scoring. You've, you got three players at the maybe mm-hmm. position right there outside of the wide receivers in this game. There's a lot there still to like. And now you're rostering, uh, I don't know, Tampa Bay Buccaneer receivers. You're yeah, right. Yeah, How that's true. <laughs> well, like, you know, you know, maybe this isn't, uh, you know, so much of a salary week where we're looking for like the cheapies. Maybe we're just looking for the good players that aren't known. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I saw somebody in the chat throw out the thought process of just like a, a balanced lineup, which, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say on a Wednesday night, you know, you don't have all the information, but that might get lost on the slate and people, there's so much good stuff you want to spend up for that people are going to do their best just to kind of make it work. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor there, Rich uh, Taylor, of course, against Kansas city CMC versus the saints. Not sure about Kamara. Kamara's got that rib. I believe he uh, practiced uh, partially today. Uh, Eckler versus Jacksonville in theory, that should be a smash bot. Um Henry, it's not look spectacular just yet. You know, of course, uh, game scripts not help them out either. Let, maybe just Uncle Lenny is uh, leaned upon heavily versus Green Bay. Who are some of your favorite running backs this week, Rich? Yeah, I think we're going to see David Montgomery become chalk. Uh, you know, we never get the – like how many times are we going to have him as a home favorite, you know, over the course of the season? Uh, you know, Houston's allowed 4.8 yards per carry to running backs. They've allowed 17 – Point three rushing points per game. That's 29th in the NFL. And people want to keep burying David Montgomery, but he has 71% of the backfield touches. That's 10th among running backs. He has 46.8% of the Chicago offensive touches. Only Joe Mixon and Leonard Fournette have a higher percentage of their team touches than David Montgomery. And he looked amazing on Sunday night. Like mm-hmm. he looked electric. Uh, I think because of what his salary is, he'll he's going to become like the default kind of like guy. Uh, I do like Lenny because I don't know how popular that game is going to be. And a lot of people just did chalk Lenny last week in a really bad spot. And like he didn't hit. Um, But, you know, he's getting a way better matchup than he's had than he had last week, you know, against Green Bay. They've lost 6.1 yards per game. They were faced David Montgomery, the guy we just talked about, you know, Uh, and he's got 26 and 23 touches. Rashad White has a bad drop. Like they still trust Lenny a lot. Um, 
But yeah, I, I honestly think we'll see Monty become chalk. I don't, Damian Pierce might be the guy people get cute with because all the usage was kind of where we thought it would be. And like, maybe it's just kind of, you know, catching some of that flop lag and maybe that game has better game script, you know, for the Texans, but I don't know if I'm going to go to that route. So, uh, you know how I ran those optimals earlier? I, I put a, a threshold as far as I didn't have anybody play anymore at 70% as far as hitting the rosters. There was only one player, one player hit that 70% threshold. It Montgomery. was, David, it was yeah. David Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, really good price there uh, with 5.9K on DK. You know, it was second was Lenny Fournette. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a fun week for sure. Uh, but I, I agree that Montgomery, it feels like if nothing else, like a good cash game piece, we'll have a different yeah, yeah, yeah. for tournaments. Uh, what do you have, John, as far as running backs? Honestly, Rich took all of them. So <laughs> I, I, I know I know we make it a point to make sure this show is over an hour 20 every week, but I think we can move on to wide receiver. <laughs> I'll let you set the table. Go ahead. Like, uh, hey, Cooper Cup, is he worth the 10K? Probably, but, but you know. How much does that hit the rest of your lineup? How about the meta? I mean, like so far through two weeks, the meta has been just paying for these elite wide receivers. Do you think it flips at all? And like the, the running backs fight back? Uh, not this. I mean, I think Cup is going to crush again this week. Uh, I mean, all, like, he, all he does is he's, he's averaged over 11 targets per game since last year. Like all he does is crush and he never lets you down. Unlike all these other players, Devontae Adams even got there with the touchdown on the one yard line, oddly enough, probably because Josh Jacobs wasn't doing anything with all his carries. But yeah. like, other than that, like Cooper cup is the one person who just doesn't fail you. Justin Jefferson failed you. Devontae Adams pretty much failed you at 40%. Cooper cup doesn't go anywhere. I do like the thought process though for tournaments, flipping the game, uh, you know, flipping the slate, the, the slate with the uh, paying up for Taylor or CMC or Eckler. Not really sure how that's gonna how that's gonna fall. I'm just kind of spend out at receiver as a general principle. Uh, John, you go first here as far as receivers. Go for it. Uh, okay, we're looking for Keenan Allen's injury. I'm sure Big Mike may get steamed. I don't know. Maybe he gets lost since there's so many good players here in his price. Uh, slightly above him. But if Keenan Allen's out, I'll go right back to Michael, Mike Williams, who had a 30% target share last week and has now played six career games where Keenan Allen has logged less than 30% of the team snaps. And he's scored multiple touchdowns in two of those, but he's only failed to reach a 22% target share in one of those six contests. So he's still the guy we want, despite that week one performance where he was bracketed and had a four-yard depth of target. Uh, and then I already mentioned all the cheap options for the Chiefs as well. I'm still trying to figure out where else to pay down at because I'm sure the optimals, Dean, are are probably showing, at least from what I'm seeing, Zay Jones and Matt Collins, and we ain't going there. So I don't know <laughs> what else to do. Uh, Zay Jones in 16% of lineups. Marvin Jones in 16% of lineups. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, um, Christian Kirk's 3%, probably because his price got hooked up, but he's been spectacular so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amon Ra, what, where did he crack? 30% for Amon Ra. Allen at 32%. Again, we don't, really know, we don't really know as far as his health, but it is the Jags, and he did participate for what it's worth. He's expected to participate. He's not going to – I don't think he'll be played. If he comes back from injury, I don't think anyone's going to play him. Yeah, That's well, what makes me think, though, that this slate is made to go, like, with, with like, 5 to 7K wide receivers instead of, like, just taking a punt. Yeah. Who are your favorite 5 to 7K receivers? Uh, I mean, looking at it, well, Sun God got over there, right? He got over the hump. So he is, 
Yeah, so he doesn't make. But I mean, that's so like on the line. Like you don't have to it's avoid that because he's seven two. Uh, you know, Hollywood Brown is six k. Uh, you know, they, a lot of people want to keep avoiding the Rams, but the Rams just keep getting blasted by wide receiver ones. You know, a lot of people forget last year they were twenty six in the NFL in points per game allowed the wide receiver ones. And this year, Stephon Diggs roasted them week one, and Drake London got them last week. Uh, you know, he's six k. I still think he's totally in play. Uh, at 5'8", London is 5'8". Like, he still looks really good. Juju's at 5'5". Five, five. Uh, that still looks pretty appealing for the, the reasons we laid out our, earlier. Um, a gross guy in that same run back, if you want to do a mini, I think it's a really good spot for Tyler Lockett again. Uh, the, car, the Falcons have just been kind of killed out of the slot, and that's where he runs 40% of his routes. Uh, no one wants to do that mini. but uh, Or you can do your Pitts uh, Lockett mini uh, if you want to do that. Uh, but yeah, those are some names kind of in that area uh, that are in that price range. You know, looking at it, obviously we don't know if Keenan Allen, if he's not back, that would make, make Big Mike a really big smat. You would just jam Big Mike in at six seven uh, if Keenan's out again. So yeah, there's there's names in there in that area. You know, you still have Curtis Samuel getting a, a ton of looks and mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, yeah, we got guys, man. I, I'm very happy, by the way, you went on that rant about Kyle Pitts last week because you basically <laughs> foresaw, like you envisioned everyone's reaction on Monday morning and you had already spoken about it. And I kind of want to play him now this week because I feel like now that everyone has had that rant, that like no one, I feel like a lot of people are just like, well, show me something now. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a DFS, he will get steamed. Like, because like in DFS, everyone wants to be ahead of the curve. And so, That's like, un- unlike redraft, where even I just want to sit his ass already. Uh, in DFS, everyone wants to play him. So I've kind of been looking for ways to avoid him. <laughs> well, there was uh, the, the coach quote, like, but basically, this isn't fantasy football. I'm trying to win games or whatever. And of course, he's not yeah. doing that either. Um, yeah. Uh, do, do we want to segue to tight ends? Do we want, you, you feel free to take that or continue the figure lap as far as pits. And he is cheap enough um, for eight on DK, where he's just kind of in the realm. He's still, what, the fourth or fifth most expensive tight end. But you know, it's kind of cheap. That game against Seattle just feels like, you know, one yeah. of those games in a forest that, like, you know, does it make a sound? I don't know. Do I want to even acknowledge that game? I suppose, but not really. Um, just feels like one of the more uneventful games. What The total in that game is like 40, right? I was writing them down earlier. Uh, oh, no, 42. Okay, Houston, Chicago. It's Oregon. higher than it's higher than Rodgers versus Brady. That's wild. That really is wild. <laughs> Geno Smith and Marietta, 42. Uh, yeah, Houston, Chicago, forty. Because do we didn't do we touch on like Mooney and Komet, or do you want to even talk about that nonsense? I mean, what you can't you? play those guys in DFS. I still would give the like I would give Mooney another look as a wide receiver three and season long. But like, what are you doing in DFS, man? Like, what like what what are you hoping for? What's going on there though? Like, why why are we not? They've thrown twenty eight passes. <laughs> That's what's going on there. Like, in two NFL football games in the year of two thousand twenty two. The Chicago Bears have thrown 28 passes. Uh, You have to go all the way back to 1978 to find a team that threw the ball fewer times than 28 times the first two weeks of an NFL season. And granted, they played the Packers last week, and they played in a monsoon week one, but they were down 24-7 to at the half last week, and the second half ran 17 runs to seven passes. Amazing. It's incredible. I don't know, man. What, what are we doing? Uh, who, wants to, who wants to lead off tight ends? I'll leave it Listen, out. is our guy, the poster of this show, just going to keep being Tyler Higby? <laughs> yep. We're going to make it a weekly thing with Tyler Higby. 
four, it, five, get a bunch of targets every week. If you Tyler Higby could catch, like, oh my gosh, this dude would have some lines the first two weeks. You see that throw Stafford threw to him in the end zone last week that he dropped? Like, I'm not sure if I if I caught it. I, I have seen him drop the ball several times this year. Yeah, he's I've been just, putting him down, but he's got five or more catches now in his past six uh, regular season games. So like, you're getting a bet of receptions even for him not being able to catch because he's getting a lot of targets. A Rob's not dead, by the way. Just to, just throwing it out there, like he he, not, he can still play football. Tyler Higby may be an analogy for Allen Robinson. Tyler Higby is who we maybe wanted Allen Robinson to be. Uh, Higby is 4-5 versus Arizona. Ertz on the other side, 4-6. Uh, Pitts, we said, is 4-8. Obviously, if you have salary, Kelsey is really interesting. Um, we mentioned Big Irv earlier, John. Uh, is the Saints guy? How much is the Saints dude, Johnson? I'm sure. I'm Juwan, sure Juwan Johnson is 2,900 on DraftKings. The issue is... It's still a very convoluted target tree. Like we've we've now seen them hammer Jarvis Landry, hammer Chris Olave, while Malcolm Thomas is still involved every single week. So it's still a it's still a t- stiff target tree for Jawan Johnson to get there. Mm-hmm. But seventeen and a half percent target share this past game, and at least he's out there. Like right, like that's kind of what we're hoping for. So his salary is good twenty nine hundred, and considering he is is going to come in still less rostered than Irv Smith, given the matchup. Maybe that's, maybe that's a reason to play him. And the one thing you say about Juwan Johnson too, is that at least, you know, from his background, like if he has a chance to at least hit a big play too. Yeah. Like we're talking about guys like Conklin, like we just need like the jets, like to throw 50 passes for Conklin to get there. Right. Like that's our thesis of like Conklin, like the dude is going to catch it and fall down. But at least Juwan Johnson could could theoretically see like four targets and, and still cash in. Was he a converted receiver, Johnson? Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's what I thought. I'm trying to think if there was anything else of note, anything uh, that kind of is sort of interesting as far as tight ends. But uh, it's it's pretty thin, pretty quickly. Any other names here, Rich? What about Kylan Granson at 2-7? We could do any of that in that game we talked about? Why, why did he go up 100? He was 26 <laughs> last week without Michael Pittman. Why are we putting up 100? Because someone probably rostered him, right? Like, because in, in week one, he ran a lot more routes than, than, than oh, buddy. truck. So people, I, I assume, like, I, I've always thought, and I don't know if this has ever been confirmed because you guys probably have a lot more connections, but I've always thought that the amount a player was rostered dictated some of the salary stuff. You know, uh, the, the DK algorithm has a mind of its own, and I, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I feel like, you know, just from, like, playing the game for so many years, I feel like that does affect it. I don't think they're public with that, John. Like, if you have a thought, I, I don't. I don't know. Well, but. as someone who played Colin Grantson in single entries on DK <laughs> last week, which is why I'm very familiar with his pricing because I didn't want to go to Paris Campbell, and it turns out it was Ashton Doolin who I needed. Uh, yeah, he was 11 percent in the spies, I believe the the mid high stakes single entries. So I, that's why I don't understand why he's a hundred more when his situation is worse this week, arguably. Isaiah Likely, everyone's favorite player, got five targets last week, four for 43. Uh, I thought I saw he only ran eight routes. Did I make right. that up? Yeah, okay. he, 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 he ran like almost no routes because they had plays for him. If he runs a route, the ball's going to him, basically. Right. If he's in the game, people should guard him. What did uh, O.J. Howard do in week two? I didn't think the he look. He ran seven routes. He did he, what he did he, in week He's one. literally ran the same amount of routes in both, <laughs> both weeks. And that's in a game Brevin Jordan was injured in in week two. 
So like I mean, we're his, just we're just role didn't increase at all. Now. This is yeah. us just kicking the, the clock. This is here. this has become how much work <laughs> have you done since Wednesday? We don't even. <laughs> I'd rather yeah uh, yeah yeah. We don't need to get do this on Wednesday night at ten seventeen p.m. <laughs> we got anything else, boys? Are we are we finishing strong? We're we closing with this uh, tight end nonsense. I guess we are. Uh, anything else? Any sort of bold proclamations? Do you have a bold call this week, John? A favorite stack? Anything that uh, we should keep our eyes on as we creep up to Sunday? I still like Mahomes with his bad players. I like that stack, so I probably lean in that direction. Take your pick, two receivers. All right, Rich. Uh, John setting the bar. Feel free to you know see it, raise it, and give me a bold call, bold take. Something we got to keep our eyes on going into Sunday. I think like, what if Herbert doesn't play? I, I don't. Right. Does, how much does that hurt Williams if Allen doesn't play? Are we possibly considering the backup there? Who is the backup? In Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel. 5K. Captain, Captain Moneybags. Chase he's, Daniel. He's on, on TV on Monday and playing football. Well, most not most of the time, but maybe playing football on Sunday. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what do you got for me, uh, Rich? It feel free to go off the board. I don't know. Why I was just drawing up the Chargers. Like, it feels like this is a week. If you need a week, it's a good week to give Herbert a week uh, at home versus the Jags. But um, yeah, I mean, the problem is they 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 brick the game in division against the team they're going to compete with to win the division, a game that you, when you look at it from a surface stance, they should have won. And so, like, if you give up another game and you're one and two, like the AFC, like you can't concede wins in the AFC. Like, it's tough to just give away wins in the AFC. They, uh, so. they killed our boy. The media ruined our boy. Brandon yeah, Staley. Brandon Staley. That was real a tough, He's real tough forever. run out for Brandon Staley on yeah. Thursday night. Uh, the internet bullies have never – they never use their powers for good. It's always evil. And, <laughs> it, you know, like the best things that the internet bullies have ever done was like change Sonic's teeth and get rid of Roto Reeves. That's like the <laughs> only two good things they've ever done in like the history of internet bullying. <laughs> That I want to see the power rankings of the greatest things that the internet <laughs> bullying has uh, produced. I've not seen other Sonic movies. Should I see the Sonic movies? Is it is it for a uh, Yeah, Sonic Two is very enjoyable. Really, I haven't seen it either. Okay, that may be my homework. Jim Carrey is a villain, I believe. Is that correct? Jim Carrey, that's his last movie performance. Like he goes for it in that movie. He's he's good in those movies. Thankfully, I mean, I have kids. Listen, I got kids. Guys. <laughs> well, we, we know this means that Dean is <laughs> Dean is going to watch it three summers from now. You know, I I watch a lot of movies, but I've not watched. Sonic. That will be a trivia question, though, Dean. If he never acts again, that's you know what was Jim Carrey's last. Wait, role? why you're saying he's he's retiring from acting? Yeah, he, re- he well, he claims he has. I mean, we never know. We know how these things go, but like he is claims that that he's done acting. Oh, I, I didn't see that. Okay, that's yeah. where, he, where he wants to end. All right, fair enough. <laughs> You go on top, baby. You go out <laughs> on Sonic Two. Favorite Jim Carrey movie? What do you got? Oh man, it's I, I'm pretty partial to Truman Show. Uh, man, I think yeah, Truman Show this is the first thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, on Truman Show. Truman Show is probably the best one. I think the oh, gosh, the original Mask is is good too, though. The acting role, anyways, it takes more than the Truman Show. But yeah, the Truman Show is good. The cable guys is I don't know if I don't I don't know does is it good now does it hold up I have not seen the cable guy in many years it completely bombed in the box office uh, one of the interesting stories is that supposedly that was going to be uh, Chris Farley but Chris Farley died but he was going to be cable guy uh, Ben Stiller directed it and I think it's it's I think it got better over the years I haven't seen it in a while but last time I saw it, it's like yeah this is better than I remembered and. For whatever reason, critics panned it. They probably were expecting Dumb and Dumber or something of that variety. Eternal Sunshine, also a gem. 
That's a fabulous answer. I love Truman Show, too. I think that's a spectacular answer, too. People aren't going to like that. The chat's going to be like, you're forgetting Dumb and Dumber. Like, what are you doing? Like, that, that's the chalk. I think that's the chalk. Erase yeah, it. Dumb and Dumber is chalk. But, they, you know, they came back. If, if he never – if both those guys went and came back for that sequel, man, the taint Dumb and dumber yeah. It tainted a little bit of it for me. Yeah, and they had a prequel, too. I don't know if you caught the prequel. <laughs> yeah, sequel. yeah. They're not in the prequel, though, right? I don't believe so. No. All right. I'm forgetting who was in it. That's that's how we end instead of Jawan Johnson is Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, tell the people where they can find you around the interwebs and find your work and all that good stuff. Four for four. You're in the redraft streets. You're picking up Jake Ferguson in high stakes leagues for some reason. I wrote about it in the <laughs> column. So use the promo code Dagle10 at four for four for the waiver wire column. And I'll be back with more DFS content on Friday for everyone there. Rich? Uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter, sharp football analysis. Shout out to my daughter, Emma, 10 years old today. Happy birthday, Emma. That was the NFL pick six show. That was rich. That was John. Let us know in the comment section, your favorite Jim Carrey movie. I'm shocked that uh, you guys went with Jim at the Truman show. That was a good answer. And, uh, eternal sunshine. I think that's one, two. Good job. Well done guys. John rich producer, Steve. I was Dean. Thanks for listening. Good luck on week three. We're out of here. Holler.